We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Let's have trial by combat. The president is willing to stake his reputation on the fact that we're going to find criminality there. Get down under your chairs if necessary so we have folks entering the rotunda and coming down this way. So we'll update you as soon as we can, but just be prepared. Stay calm. Multiple reporters have said that they've seen at least one person being carried out of the Capitol on a stretcher. I've spoken to the president. I asked him to talk to the nation to tell him to stop this. This is not who we are. This afternoon, I announced a citywide curfew for the District of Columbia beginning at 6 p.m. this evening, going until 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. It's chaos. It borders on sedition. And it must end now. I call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward. How did we get on this path to violence? And I think, you know, could it happen here? My next guest did warn about this kind of violence back in September when he warned that a contested election could lead to this, and not just any contested election, but one that involves a guy like Donald Trump, who's an outsider, who doesn't play by the rules and has proved that he will not necessarily live up to the pledge he has to serve the country that he was elected to serve. Balkan Devlin's his name. He's a senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute, adjunct research professor at Norman Patterson School of International Affairs at Carleton University, and a super forecaster for Good Judgment Incorporated. Good to have you, Balkan. Thanks for having me, Alex. All right. So you you wrote back uh, in September that the U.S. is heading into this once in a generation political crisis and we should be prepared here in Canada for such a scenario and that our governments should actually start thinking about contingency plans for all eventualities. So when you see something like what we saw today unfold in Cap uh, on Capitol Hill, were you surprised? Is this how you expected it to go? Uh, well, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised in the sense that it, I tend to be more pessimistic, so I'm surprised that it actually didn't uh, go even worse. Um, so in that sense, I'm pleasantly surprised that it didn't even go worse. But it is, of course, a big shame that uh, this this uh, unfold in the way it does. It's one of those predictions that I wish I was wrong. Um, that it will, uh, you know, it will get to this point. Uh, but the, uh, the the signposts were there. The, you know, the the writing was on the wall uh, from the very beginning. Uh, Donald Trump's campaign and, and the, the leadership style when you watch it, that there's no way that he will you know, silently go into the night when he loses it, and and that he manages to whip up at least a portion of his base um, to go and, and completely sort of engage in this in this seditious act. So. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I wasn't surprised in that sense. I was more surprised to a, to, to a degree, though, the, the the fact that the the, the, the law enforcement mm-hmm. didn't seem to be stopping uh, what has been going on until it is quite. I mean, that's that, that's to me that was the most shocking part. We're talking about one of the most secure buildings in the world. I mean, this is <laughs> this is not uh, you know this is not this is not Walmart that you you can walk in. We're talking mm-hmm. about. Capital, and this is you know in the past couple of years there are like four layers of 
of, of barricades. It's, it's, you know, you, you walk on the wrong side uh, of, the, of the pavement and, and, and a cop would approach you if you are on the wrong side in capital. And, and how the 200 people, 300 people can storm um, and, and walk in and, and go out. It just, to me, that's, you know, that either criminal negligence on the part of the law enforcement or willfully allowing this to happen. I think this is the biggest, to me, the biggest disappointment. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was quite shocked by that as well. I mean, when you've got the, the president out there earlier in the day basically saying, go, go up and disrupt this thing and, and basically giving them marching orders, you, you would think that they would have had the wherewithal or the know-it-all to say, hey, look, I don't know who's in that crowd. Um, we don't know what, what their motives might be, but let's make sure it's secured. And yet, you know, there you've got pictures of a guy sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk with, with his feet up. Um, they totally <laughs> took control. They were dismantling the Senate chambers taking out podiums as souvenirs. I don't understand how that happened at all. So I, I tend to no, agree with you. It is. I mean, and again, you know, I, I need to sort of check with this stuff, but I think I, I read in Politico um, that the you know, FBI found two sort of homemade pipe bombs and, and, and dismantled them. Um, and I need to sort of see whether that, that's a confirmed report or not. But, you know, people get in with, with guns. With, you know, it's just... It's, it's it's mind-boggling to me that that has been allowed, and that's 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 I think is when once everything settles down, um, that seems to be the one of the biggest um, sort of disappointments and and and, and a reason to to search for uh, the, the, the who are responsible for this uh, in the coming days because that's and that's also a national security threat uh, not only for for the United States but for us being part of the Five Eyes and everyone else that. You know everything in, in in that in that building needs to be replaced. You know from the cables on. Um, sure. Uh, because we, we don't know who got in there. We don't know what they put in there. We don't know. What, you know, it's just it's 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 a massive massive national security threat as well. So it's you know it's, it's it has been a very very disappointment in that sense as well. Yeah, I mean, there are some suggestions that in the coming days we could see reports that, um, you know, Antifa had implanted themselves somehow within these crowds. I don't know how much truth could be to those reports. We have seen a lot of violence over the last four years um, of those who are opposed to Trump. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of violence during his administration uh, on the left. It's gotten pretty ugly. I mean, you look at Portland and how uh, that that city has been taken over by, mm -hmm. by the extreme left. I mean, violence is not, uh, it has been a constant theme of this president question is does it go away we are so politically divided and it and we do have that division here in canada it might not be as ugly but there is a real um divide in in this country but certainly down in the united states between the left and the right yes and i don't think it's going to go over or or just dissipate after after the integration i mean this is unfortunately here to stay one of the things that i was arguing in the article and and elsewhere is that this is not a singular moment necessarily that will just go away after Trump leaves office. This polarization is here um, to stay. Um, and I mean, okay, there might be only a few thousand people or whatever numbers that today that storm the Capitol. But when you ask, you know, eighty percent of the Republicans don't think the election uh, was was legitimate. So that's that's a crazy number. That does not necessarily disappear. That polarization in the United States doesn't disappear. And as you said, one of my worries is that uh, you know, the, the, whether this would spill over to Canada as well. Um, and I think that's one thing we need to be also be watching for and, and keeping in mind that you know, we, we don't want to import um, American social divisions um, 
here, and I, I see, unfortunately, I see that tendency both on the left and the right. They, their own cultural wars, we don't need to import them here. We, we have our own issues, our own problems, and whatnot. But importing that particular polarization to Canada is also one thing I'm, 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 I'm worried about. And I don't think this will disappear anytime soon in the United States. That polarization is here to stay at least for, uh, for, for several years. Well, for how long? For several years, at least. I don't see. Oh, several. I thought you said seven years. I thought, gee, okay, well, okay, seven years. All right. Uh, yeah, now, look, I mean, I, I knew it would not just go away um, with Biden coming in. I mean, he's got a pretty big job of uniting the country eh? because there are a lot of people that just don't like him and didn't want him. But that, that's all the choice they had. Um, I mean, the big winners, I think, today are, are, are Russia, China, Venezuela, Iran. I mean, they must be loving this kind of stuff to see the instability and the infighting. I mean, this is just a fuel for their fire. It is that that is. And, yes. and they are a growing threat to our democracies. And the more they see of this kind of stuff, yes. uh, the more it fuels their... Popping champagnes. I mean, they, yeah. they would go like... They, I mean, the U.S. couldn't... You, they couldn't do the damage to the U.S. democracy as well, and, and in, by extension to the Western uh, you know, uh, principles and values as much as, as these people did. I mean, this is, this is crazy. They, they are really popping champagnes and this just provides them much more ammunition uh, whenever uh, people now we criticize them for for their oppressive regimes and and the way they they treat and so on and so forth, uh, they would go like, look, you just you know, look 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 what happened in, 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 in on, on January sixth in the United States. Are yeah. you, who are you to to talk to us about about democracy? So that's that is that is one of the biggest uh, biggest issues. Unfortunately, we'll be seeing forward. I'm sure Xi is drinking a lot of champagne tonight. Together with I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure he is too. But I mean, several world leaders have come out. Justin Trudeau has made a comment. Uh, Boris Johnson yeah. has made a comment. Um, they're they're all commenting on uh, the disgrace of, of what we saw today. But you know, there was an, another democracy that fell, Hong Kong, and our, yeah. we barely got a peep. The only guy that actually stood up for that democracy was Donald Trump, ironically. Yes, and and you know, I don't I don't want to sound any way the conspiratorial, but you know, I the the way that it is done in Hong Kong. Um, and it's that being done today um, it makes me wonder whether would they time it with this particular, uh, you know, day in, of the electoral college and the certification of results, with the expectation that all the eyes will be on on Washington, and that might be because there was all the calls for a protest, there was call for by, by Donald Trump for for his supporters together. Maybe they were expecting. Uh, like a lot of people, they were expecting some disturbances and they thought, well, this is a good time to round up all the democracy activists and, and finish our crackdown that we started in Hong Kong and completely kill the democracy in Hong Kong today because everyone is, is paying attention to something else. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got Twitter, Twitter banning uh, Trump, yeah. um, you know, uh, his comments. But, you know, they, they don't ban China. They don't con- uh, ban no. the Ayatollah Khomeini out of Iran for what he says of Russia. So the, there seems to be a and I'm not suggesting that Donald Trump should be able to say, you know, some of the things he says. But I do believe in freedom of speech. But if you're going to ban the comments of Donald Trump, then why aren't these other ruthless dictators, uh, you know, getting silenced? Especially in places like Iran and China, where Twitter is banned you know so uh, for me one of the, that's my one of my pet peeves uh, what, you know when ordinary chinese or iranians cannot access the to, to the wider regime uh, you know apparatchiks and the and the propagandists can use that to propagate their regime's interests uh, around the world um, and they they briefly use that and they will continue to use that and that's something we should think about more thoroughly 
about you know my 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 colleague Marcus Kolga uh, from McDonald Laurier Institute mm-hmm. from the uh, also a website called the Simple Watch, um, and and you know we, we did talk a lot with him on how and why we should find ways to regulate um, social media companies in in ways also that that prevents them from being tools of foreign um, agents. Uh, influencing our societies, and this is one of that too. The, all these, uh, you know, Iranian and Chinese officials using Twitter um, to propagate their um, their ideologies and sow dissent and 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 you know disruption and uh, in our societies. Uh, why are we providing them with that opportunity while their own citizens are banned? from accessing okay. these these platforms. Uh, we need to really think about how we can protect freedom of speech while balancing that with uh, how we can protect the cohesion of our own society and protect in us from particularly from foreign interference. Just just before I let you go, you know, 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. So it's not like, um, you know, nobody. It was it was not just a fringe vote for Donald Trump. Uh, no. So it's not like you can cast them all as nut jobs. A lot of people voted for Trump because he, they liked some of the policy. They liked the money uh, that he put in the pockets. The working man, uh, he made um, big gains with the um, minority groups. Where do, How do you see the chapter unfolding of who comes in after a guy like Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump's not going to go away. But who yeah. can come in? and take the focus away from him and win that support over? Well, that's the $6 million question. Um, I don't think it's going to go away very quickly, but whoever comes after this will have two choices. Would either have to try to imitate Donald Trump's style as well as tactics? Um, Mm -hmm. And why would people go for the second best if they still have Donald Trump? Or they would, he would, or she would recognize what is, sort of attractive or attractive, you know, the majority of those Republicans that voting for Trump, which are not necessarily, like you said, are, are those, you know, the cultists in the fringe, but people attracted to certain policies that he, he pursued. Um, and the, the person who could identify that while balancing the, the, the fact that the, the, we, we shouldn't go to, to, the, to the fringe would take over. So it's going to be either one of them. Uh, for the for the future of uh, of the Republican Party, but I could very well yeah. see a, a civil war within within GOP um, uh, in the in unfolding in the next uh, next couple of years. That will be the, the the fight for the for the party will be between those those two groups. Jeez, what a time, uh, yeah. Balkan! I very much appreciate your time on this. We'll chat again. Thank you very much, everybody. of Canada, the Right Honorable Stephen Harper, Prime Minister of Canada, and Mr. Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister-designate. Au nom du gouvernement du Canada, le très honorable Stephen Harper, Premier ministre du Canada, et Monsieur Justin Trudeau, le Premier ministre désigné. That was October 22nd, 2015, and that is what the transition of power should look like in a democracy. That was when Stephen Harper outgoing at that point and Justin Trudeau was incoming. Um, but there they stood together, laying a wreath at the National War Memorial 
in memory of Corporal Nathan Cirillo and Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent. And they parked their political differences, and they did that a few times. Um, and we've seen the transition of power even before with Paul Martin and Stephen Harper, where there are photographs of them sitting together in 2006. They're not yelling at each other, screaming. They're just having a chat, kind of chuckling amongst each other. That is what the transition of power should look like. Uh, but we, we've had contested elections in the United States. You can contest an election. That is your right in a democratic country. But what you can't do is, you know, go and tell your supporters, hey, go, go cause trouble here, which is, is the difference in the line that was crossed and what we ended up seeing the result of today at Capitol Hill. But uh, the whole goal of the mob uh, today was to stop this formality of accepting Joe Biden's electoral win. I mean, these people actually thought they were going to be successful in doing that, uh, which is a preposterous, preposterous thing. They just it was never going to happen. I want to bring Arlene Bynan into this conversation because I know that you follow this stuff morning, noon and night. I do everything in my power not to talk about Donald Trump and have for years because, you know, it is such a polarizing topic. But I mean, your takeaway of what you saw. You know, I've covered a lot of things. I've I, I, I be, I'll be honest with you, Alex. You know, I've I've had long conversations that were horrible with serial killers and I was quite speechless today. I I always thought this president was volatile. And as you were talking, yes, people have a right to contest an election, but not without evidence and not to tell right. people that things are over when there's not. And we always, you know, we knew it was going to be, we're all ready for today. And I'm kind of like you. I mean, I try not now these days because it's so political, so volatile to do kind of what we have to do and then get back to our business here in Canada. And today it was... It was just an incredible sight. I, I was quite speechless. And a, as I watched it move, it, it was just like everyone else. I just couldn't believe it. Where were the police? You know, why was <laughs> w why was this hallowed halls so easy to get into? Where, where were the people protecting things? And where was the president? Why wasn't he saying anything? Why wasn't he grabbing and go, oh, no. And why did we have to hear that? There were aides practically down on their knees begging him to make that video. I don't even know where he is now. Vice President Pence is acting like the president. There's been no explanation. He's negotiating with the National Guard. And and he's talking to, you know, congressional leaders. So we don't really know what's going on. And this is, you know, the president, the leader of the free world. It is an incredible scene. And... You know, it was a mob, and I'm glad you called it a mob because, you know, we look and we think, okay, we've got left-wing mobs, and here was a mob supporting the president of the United States. I don't think it, you can call it anything other than what it is. It's domestic terrorism. But I would say that about Antifa and any other group, that that, that, that is just not behavior we can call anything but. No, it isn't. But, I, you know, to make a moral equivalence here this evening mm -hmm. to Antifa, and, you know, people are. And look, mm -hmm. you know, I watched, I covered the economic forum here. It was ugly. People burning cars, a black block. It was a bad scene. Oh, yeah. It upset Terrible. me and it stayed with me for a long time. And sure, everybody did. Like, how dare these people? And did they even care? It just looked like people who wanted to be violent. But this was something else. I mean, they broke in to the chambers. They, they, there's that picture of somebody sitting, some thug sitting in the seat where vice president yeah. was sitting. I mean, this was 
an attempted coup. There was no other way to put it. It, they, they, it took some planning. And, and then we wait for a comment from the president of the United States. And he says, we love you at the end. We understand your frustrations. It's really hard to get our, our heads around, you know, and as you played that tape of what happens here in Canada, you know, we have so many disagreements. We worry about partisan politics and polarization here, and it seems so sweet compared to what we're watching. And we're also, I mean, some of the news that we're hearing, and I'm sure you're getting some of it, we're getting some reporting that there are serious discussions underway right now about the 25th mm-hmm. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't know what the condition uh, of the president is. It is a most unusual situation. We rely on the United States. They're the most powerful country in the world. And here we are. And I do think we have to ask, how did we get here? And, you know, we're listening to all those speeches. It was kind of healing. It, it was it felt good. People were doing the right thing. How long is this? Well, I don't last? I don't know if you heard my comments about Mitt Romney. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm, he was vilified as the Antichrist when he ran uh, for president against um, Barack Obama. He was painted as the most dangerous man and the biggest threat to to women, of course. If you imagine now if they had not vilified him like that, we wouldn't have probably had a Trump. It's very true. It's very true. And I think Mitt Romney, during this very difficult situation, has found himself and he has, you know, against a lot of pressure and a lot of attacks, I think, done the right thing. And you're right. And you brought up Russia. And it's true. He was ahead of his time. And he was. And I, I think when we all look at this, everybody has to say to themselves, you know, what part did I play in it? And, you know, we all and I don't mean specifically you and me, but I mean individuals. And we saw this happen. You know, it was too often you know, we would see people from the left call people on the right. And, you know, everybody was a Nazi. Everybody was this. Everybody mm-hmm. was a Karen. Yeah. And then now we look at this situation. So, we, you know, you wasted your words there. And now people don't listen anymore. But this is real. And I, you know, there's no other way to paint it. I don't know if there's an equivalence. I mean, I'm watching it. And it's pretty crazy to watch Sarah Palin say, enough. We need a sane third party. Uh, this is Sarah Palin. Mm-hmm. Something awful, awful has happened today, and there's no way around it. It was awful. And the world watched, and it kind of looked like America was a powder keg. We still, again, we don't know where the president of the United States is right now. It's, yeah, uh, what it's a bad we'll scene. No, we don't. It is, and tonight scene. we have a dead soldier, a dead veteran, um, you know, and uh, we're, we're days away from the inauguration, and what will America look like over the next couple of weeks? Well, I appreciate it uh, that you joined us, because I know you follow this very closely, and um, and there's going to obviously be a lot of fallout over the next little while, but certainly, this this was not the show I was planning to put to bed I tonight. Can imagine, but, uh, I can imagine. Good here we job. Are. I mean, just flying by your the seat of your pants as this um, really important story unfolds and it's going to go on all night. I'm sure everybody realizes that. Indeed. All right. Um, Arlene, we will chat again. I'm sure of it. And I appreciate so much you uh, giving us your thoughts. Thank you. Take care, Alex. Arlene Bunn and joining us here tonight. And yeah, she does. She follows this uh, religiously. And, and the reason I, I don't, it's not that I don't follow it. I just don't talk about it because to talk about Donald Trump is literally to light your hair on fire. <laughs> There's no win. And I look at it and I think we've got so much news here in Canada that has to be covered and gets missed because of Donald Trump that I feel like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let everyone else talk about it and I'll just keep covering the Canadian stuff. But tonight is one of those nights where you just... Yeah, had to break away no matter how much I told myself. No, no, there's so much important stuff here. At the end of it, I was like, no. Okay, the story is what it is.
The voters, the courts, and the states have all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. Our country has had enough. We will not take it anymore. And that's what this is all about. The behavior that we are witnessing is shameful, unpatriotic, and above all, it is unlawful. To storm the Capitol, to smash windows, to occupy offices, the floor of the United States Senate rummaging through desks on the Capitol, on the House of Representatives, threatening the safety of duly elected officials. It's not protest, it's insurrection. Attention, a curfew is in effect at 1800 hours until 600 hours tomorrow. All individuals must leave the U.S. Capitol grounds or be subject to arrest. What an active shooter! Yo, there's an active shooter here! Get her down! Complete the process the right way by the book. We'll follow our precedents, our laws and our Constitution to the letter. And we will certify the winner of the 2020 presidential election. To those who engaged in the gleeful desecration of this, our temple of democracy, American democracy, justice will be done. Those who perform these reprehensible acts cannot be called protesters. No, these were rioters and insurrectionists goons and thugs, domestic terrorists. They do not represent America. We condemn the violence that took place here in the strongest possible terms. We grieve the loss of life in these hallowed halls, as well as the injuries suffered by those who defended our capital today.